<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is this is WGN Television 9. Channel 9. Channel 9 Chicago. Chicago. Coming to you from atop the John Hancock building. From WGN-TV in Chicago, welcome to the world's greatest newspaper television podcast. I'm Brian Say. And I'm Ross McAbee. If you're a first-time listener, you can catch all the episodes of this great podcast anywhere where you get your podcasts. So subscribe, download, listen, and repeat. All right. On today's episode, you may not know his name, but if you watch Channel 9, you've definitely seen his work. Reporters and producers fight to schedule this man. He's a master storyteller with at least a dozen Emmys. He's a real ball buster from the South Side. Ladies and gentlemen, photojournalist Mike D'Angelo joins us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, Mike. Really flattered to be here. All right. First question, we like to start with a tough one. Mm-hmm. I'm very disappointed you're not wearing a vest today. <laughs> I see you as the vest guy. And well, I think, yeah. What, should we give some background to the vest? Yeah, I'd love yeah. to. Yeah, give some. Please, tell us. Well, you only know me as the vest because one of the first times when you took over your producer role, right. uh, we did a bit and I was just wearing a vest with no shirt underneath. Yes. Which is the right. best vest. Which Mike. is the best vest. Yeah. But some people thought I had a sweater because I'm so hairy. Right. Yeah. But what the real reason I have the vest is it's a good layering piece for when you're out shooting in the elements no, in it it's is winter. Great. But yeah. it's embedded in your head that it I'm is. the best guy. Because right. Well, we introduced Sharkman during that time yes. as well for oh, the very yes. first time. Yes. That's seared into my memory. You there in a vest. This is no proof. undershirt. This is proof that first impressions are lasting impressions. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, so when are you going to pop the top and only have the vest again? Because well, uh, next time you guys ask. Okay. So we joke around a lot, but uh, you're really you're an artist, right? I mean, I guess yeah. We, we call you Mike D'Angelo. I've called you Michelangelo. Yeah, you know? right. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I've uh, I've shot stuff before, so I'm going to talk a little shop. Yeah. You're you're really good at like the nap package, right? And the nap pack is is when you go out and you may have a producer there, but you don't have a reporter. You're not relying on a reporter. You're right. shooting the scene. You're getting an interview or two. You're getting natural sound. And then you're building a story from that. Why do you like to do that? Like, why is that something that you like to do? Well, because you you don't have a personality in the way. You don't have a reporter in the way that people may associate with a certain thing. They may have an impression in their head as that reporter does a certain style or a certain whatever. And if you take the reporter out of the equation, which is not necessarily always the best thing, but if you take a reporter out of the equation, the audience is left to focus just on the people in the story, um, which causes its own production you know, issues because right. you have to really make sure those people are giving you the story in a way that you can put it together and then communicate it to a larger audience. But that's what reporters do best is they make big, big, weighty topics and pare them down into 10 words where sometimes when you're interviewing people and you're shooting people in their natural environment, they don't necessarily explain a tough concept briefly. But that's our jobs as journalists to take those things and edit them down. And is that one like one of the harder shoots that you would do because it's like you have to have nets you have to have sound from people and video to cover everything going on well you really have to think it out as a storyline they're not necessarily the hardest shoots just because i i've kind of figured out the formula not that there really is a formula that i could even sit here and explain but there is a elements you need there are elements and there is a check box that you have to go over in your head to make sure you have it um uh the tougher shoots uh those are a whole different thing those Tough shoots have a whole different definition in my book. We can get into it if you want, but it's... <laughs> Maybe we can come back to it. We'd like to keep going, but what's a tough shoot? What do you mean? Well, uh, a tough shoot for me can be multi-part. One is <clears throat> the story and the emotions involved. Um, sometimes it's it could be heavy things. In this business, we do things that are not necessarily topics you would sit around and talk about. 
with other people because they're so like, not taboo, but they're, they're just tough. I mean, you're talking about uh, the worst of the worst things that happen in humanity. We have to go there to the location and interview the people involved. Stick a camera yeah. in people's Stick, faces. You know, yeah. and, and, and then do that story. And you have to basically live that moment right. for the day, the week, however long you're doing this story. And so the, the really emotional stories are tough because it, you're just in it and you are embedded and it can be very hard to just like get your mind outside it and you know mm. now there's a phone ringing and it's making me a little nervous it's mine i'm sorry <laughs> you should probably as the host of the podcast you should probably mute I all audio i knew you were gonna come at me about that it should be on silence this is operator disturb, but that's fine anyway so that was a very bad timing because you're talking about some heavy stuff there but uh yeah, it's easy to be like removed as a producer or as a well, like you want to bring the viewer into the moment too. Right. But as a photographer and as a reporter, it's like you're there. You have to be respectful to the people on the scene, but you also have to tell the story. Sure. You have to get the facts. And you know, I'll give you a quick example. Uh, we were doing a story. Um, we were with uh, it was Pat Thomasulo and I, and we were doing a, a story that. <clears throat> we do for his fundraiser, the Laugh Your Face Off fundraiser. You know, they were, it was their first time on TV and their daughter had just died not a year ago. And, um, you know, they, it, it was just tough because you, you go into their house and they're, they're there and you have all this equipment and you're setting up and you're setting up lights and cameras and lenses. And um, they're a little hesitant to, to go out and tell their story. They wanted to, but the, it was just like, They've never done this before, and they, the emotion is raw. And you have to somehow find a way as a storyteller, as a journalist, as a photojournalist, you have to find a way to make them comfortable. And you have to make the situation comfortable to where uh, it's an environment where they're willing to tell their story. And, you know, those are challenging environments. Have you mastered that? Like, do you feel like you're better with it, with time? I've I've Have gotten better? better over time, but I think everyone is different. Every human is different. Every person uh, approaches their their time on TV different. And uh, each one, I'm learning something new. And right. I've been doing this a long time, and I'm still learning something new. I've gotten better at it, but every time I think I'm doing good, yeah. I, I I find myself like messing up a little bit, and not major, but like yeah. That could have went better, you know. Yeah. Right, and that's the job. I mean, it's like no day's boring because you don't know what you're walking into right. every day as a producer, as a photog. Where am I going to get sent today? Exactly. Am I going to get a fluff yep. piece or am I going <laughs> to a murder scene? It honestly, you don't know. It could be you one don't. or the other. And, and this, that's why the, the television and journalism, it's a great uh, its a great career for people who are have bad attention and, right. cannot, right. and cannot keep attention on things. Yeah. And it's a great career for people who are bad at math. Yeah. Oh, that's the only that's reason why I'm here. here. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Communications degree. Right. No. Yeah. yeah. Hey, doesn't two plus two equals five, everyone, yeah. you know, yeah. right on. Hey, uh, uh, which producer or reporter do you like to work with most, be honest? Uh, a producer reporter that I like working with the most. Um, you know, over the years, uh, there, Pam Grimes, who is retired now, uh, we, we had spent a lot of years, uh, on the road and uh, in people's houses and in difficult situations and covering stories and telling stories. And, um, she has always been, uh, the best storyteller in the business, in my, my opinion, but she's retired now. And, uh, um, do you, do you miss her? Should we call her? We can call her. <laughs> I, yeah. I do miss her. In fact, uh, it's funny cause, <clears throat> uh, the years we worked, she, I was young when we first started working. I was in my early twenties and she was, she's always been old enough to be my mother. So she, <clears throat> in many ways, like taught me so much. Yeah. And so now here I am without her and I'm not working with her on a daily basis. It's like, all right, well, you know. It's kind of, here you go. I've taught you all this, and uh, we've done all these things together. We've learned so much together, told so many great stories. Now I have to just take that and apply it to everything that I'm doing day to day. Right. But um, she's not here anymore, so on, uh, on, on a current basis, I think the, the, the two people I like working with the most is Catherine Zink and Dina Bear. Uh, we've been around the world together, literally, um, just telling stories and doing great pieces that I don't think anyone, not only in this market, but I just, we are doing stories that I don't think any journalism outfit on TV, on the web are doing. We're, we're doing topics that are tough topics and we're doing them differently and we're doing them in a way that I think 
exposes light on things that people don't want to talk about. What's an example? What are you doing right now? Um, well, right now we're, we well we did finish a, a series that I had a very small part in, but it was it was for Nurses Week. Just telling each day of the week, we did a story on a nurse. Um, I only did one nurse, uh, a small part, but it, it was like who who in this market is doing a story one day, uh, each day of the week? Who's doing a story about nurses and featuring what they do on a daily basis? No one, no one. Um, we just did a piece about uh, a series of pieces on sex trafficking, and you know, it's heavy stuff that some places don't even want to talk about. They, they, right. And if they do, it's a quick story about a sex trafficking ring was yeah. busted, and it's an in and out forty second vo vosat right. quick story. But we did several, you know, it's a multi part, long, in depth pieces that are just just we're doing them differently and right. I'm, I'm not tooting our own horn i'm really tooting their horn because they came up with the idea and they produce and yeah they uh it's just stuff that no one else is doing and, I, and i'm just so proud to be a part of it it's just so proud to be a part of it i think that's a big thing of wgn2 of everyone who comes on the podcast kind of talks about what they're doing and i think ben bradley lordis even brought up the fact that you know they're anchoring they're telling investigative stories they're you know they're able to do things that they're interested in and, you know, bring those topics up and bring up those difficult topics and then go out and shoot them on top of everything else that they're doing and they're supported. Yeah, the freedom right here. There is, there's a lot of freedom. And um, <clears throat> an English teacher always said with the years ago in high school, said, with freedom comes responsibility. Right. And there is, you, you know, I think we have that freedom because we know what we're doing. Yeah. And uh, we know how to, do the tough stuff and, and and we i mean all of us here i think that we were given the wings and we know how to fly with them and hey thankfully the management is is, is cool with the idea that you guys go do your thing you do your thing and you guys do it well and keep doing it and that's right. that's awesome what else can you ask for so speaking of tough stuff you're coaching little league right now yeah uh, you said you've been taking notes on joe madden yeah. how's all that coming along <laughs> the zen attitude you know what the zen attitude yeah. uh well, I was an assistant coach last year in T-ball, and T-ball is a, a great deal of fun because it is just like a bunch of cats out there just running around in, right, in an open cats, pasture. Yeah. <laughs> and then you, your job after the inning is over to herd said cats yeah. and bring them into a dugout. Right. But uh, one of the parents had said to me, you know, last year was like, oh, and I was just assistant coach, so I kind of just showed up and had fun. They're like, oh, man, this – this must this this must be a really tough part of your day to come here and deal with all these kids. I said, you know what? This is the best part of my day. <laughs> right. It really is the best part of my day. Yeah. And you know, as much as I love my career, uh, <laughs> <laughs> my career is wonderful. Uh, that, I have practiced tonight with the kids, and uh, it's really fun just to get out there and uh, watch the kids learn and uh, figure out how to hit baseballs and catch baseballs and throw them and have fun. Right. But you know what's funny about you know, when you watch a baseball game, you watch the players, right? Yeah. And you watch Javi Baez, and you're just in awe at how the man is just right. a, is, is unbelievable. Uh, but now I, I started – ever since I started coaching, I'm like, what does Joe Madden do in there? What, what does he right. do in the dugout? Know, he looks at his paper. He right. keeps it in his pocket. And right. He thinks a lot. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I do. Yeah, okay. I Put look at papers, up. and I write right. stuff yeah. down, yeah, yeah. and I think a lot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But probably more balls going through the shortstop's legs. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. It's a complete <laughs> yeah. mess. Right. It is a complete mess. <laughs> is uh, it T-ball, or they're pitching? <laughs> now it's, well, Like instructional? The, now it's actually pitching, and the oh, person right who now. pitches is the coach, yeah. which yeah. is myself or the assistant coach. So you're brushing back kids and everything. I hit two last game. I hit two. Music. <laughs> Do you count I said, it? If you crowded the plate again, I told you. Do you count a hit batter though? Do I? The one kid I hit, I threw it inside. <laughs> like uh, it was a complete slip up, uh, right. lack of sleep, and uh, yeah. tired from a day of work. Sometimes the that. curve just doesn't snap over. You <laughs> know, it's not your but the other kid stepped into it. Oh, okay. Oh. You know, I don't want to blame him. He's there. learning, yeah. but. Yeah. Everyone's looking at me like, and I said, well, yeah, he technically, yeah, he, hey, <laughs> Timmy, have my back. Come he on. Stepped in, he stepped into the ball. You were so. telling us before this that you're having a battle with a two-year-old. That's not baseball oh, yeah. related. We're gonna, we were going to bring this up. Yeah. Do you uh, want to bring it up? Do you not want to talk about it? We don't <laughs> no, have we to. Are. We already brought it up. Why yeah. not? Let's just go deep. Okay. We're going deep. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, if anyone has kids, uh, they'll relate. Uh we fought tooth and nail. I have a six and a two-year-old, and we fought tooth and nail with both our kids when they were babies. 
uh, to get them to sleep and okay. eat properly and sleep properly. Do you ferberize them? Or what is I don't know what a ferber. Isn't that the thing when they cry all night and you just let them cry? <laughs> oh, ferber? Yeah, isn't, isn't that what that, that is? Ferber, the thing you cut your hair with with the vacuum? Oh, that the, was a Floby. The Furby Flo- was Oh, yeah, thing. we tried that on Paul Conrad and they yeah. took all his hair off. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> a Ferberize, I guess, if that means let them cry it out, I feel like Ferberize would probably have to get bleeped. That sounds like a bad word. It does. We'll bleep it. Anyway, yeah, we did all the techniques, whatever, and they were great sleepers, and they, they blah, blah, blah. Now, all of a sudden, my youngest, who's two, he's going to be three in September, he's waking up in the middle of the night and crying and taking his diaper off and running around the house naked at oh, two, three right. in the morning. Wow. Like it, father, like son. Yeah. Like father, like son. Well, you know what? It's exhausting. And I, I bet. And I'm done with it. I'm, yeah. I actually thought to myself last night, well, sleeping in the car would not be a bad idea right now. <laughs> Just... Recline right, in the, the driveway. And you, you guys have the house. We're gonna retreat to the car. Yeah, that's how generous I am. Right, you take the yeah. house. You, you take. You take. That is nice. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And I'll go in the car. It's fine. Oh gosh, that's rough. That's rough. Yeah, it, it is rough. Uh, but you know, uh, this is what I signed up for. So. Yeah. All right, back to work. Uh, what's your biggest pet peeve at work? My biggest pet do. peeve at Reply work. Reply all, sick calls, gross food in the fridge. Well, we all hate uh, the reply all, uh, unless it turns into a funny exchange, which right. happens here. Uh, Jeff Hoover. The mass time. emails about stuff that are completely irrelevant to you is annoying. You know, the most annoying thing to me is incompetence, because you're only as good as your weakest link. Mm-hmm. And this is a team sport TV. Yeah. And if, if, you have a bad, if you have a bad teammate, they will mess up the whole system. Right. Yeah. And, you know, weak links. That's what really. And okay. listen, we're all guilty of being a weak link somewhere in, in the system at one point mm-hmm. in our career. Right. Like Brian with his phone earlier. Brian, exactly. Right. Right. Brian's phone was the weak link. I was going to edit that out, but I guess we have to keep it in. Now you do have to keep it. Yeah. yeah. All right. But Continuity. weak links. It's just, it's, yeah. Incompetent people are like. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a snotty email from you, actually, to the whole staff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Please. In all caps, <laughs> when recording stand-ups in the studio, put the reporter's name in the tons That's title. a legitimate thing, though. A lot of but times, the all caps. Right. Can we all talk cap- about this? I only put please in all caps. You did. Well, that's nice. Yeah. I was just trying please. to accentuate my pleasantries. Right. Like, a lot of people please. put things in like well, stand-up one. I read it right. as three weeks from this now. Is that'll be easy baseball. to find. <laughs> this is inside baseball that our audience has no idea what we're talking about. But please in all caps. What does that mean? Uh, it's just I was pissed off. It's harsh. When I wrote it. Yeah, I, I was pissed off when I wrote it, yeah. and I was being passive aggressive. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, you admitting right. that on our podcast is actually really refreshing. But, but to give the, to give a little context for people who don't understand recording standups, the the reporter has to basically go in the studio and record a standup that is eventually going right. to put in get put into an edited piece. So mm-hmm. the reporter is standing there and saying, "I'm such and such reporter, yep. and I'm doing such and such story," and it's recorded, and then I take that and I edit it in at a later time. Yes. So when I go to search our system, mm-hmm. I should be able to just search for the reporter yeah right because when the people label the 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 story that they're doing which in this case was something like alzheimer's which is an impossibly difficult word to spell when you try and search (laughs) alzheimer's you cannot find it under the proper spelling yeah just call the person doing the (laughs) stand-up just call it when you title it the person's name it's pretty simple that's what i was trying to convey in the email apparently it's it's lived like yeah do you feel better now do you feel no, I don't, because oh. people have not listened to the email and still do not label it with just the All name. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. What other What other questions? Oh, uh, we got a lot. Yeah, we got a few more here. Um, you and I, uh, we went to Freddy's and Cicero a few months ago. Yeah. You, uh, you and the family, you guys go way back there. We go way back. Jeez. Uh, I don't know when they started. I, I remember going there when I was a little kid and probably five years old, and I, I'm sure I was going before then. It was my family slowly prepping me for a lifetime of fathood. So they were, they would start me at a young age, nothing but carbs and grease and carbs and grease mm. until a certain point. Now I am doing it to my kids. No. But no, we don't. We <clears throat> we try and we try and limit the trips to Freddy's because it gets out of hand there, and uh, you know it's easy to fall into the Freddy's trap of every week. What's your but, go-to dish? Uh, there? The, the Freddy's go-to dish for me, uh, I like their little seafood salad, which is it's just a cold uh, uh, seafood salad mixed with olive oil, garlic, and vinegar or lemon juice. Can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. And it, you know, you can't find that kind of thing. And yeah. I grew up on that that stuff. My grandfather used to make it all the time. 
their um, ravioli and pasta dishes are always great. Um, I like uh, their Italian ice, though. I think their Italian ice is the best. Yeah, when we went, you told me to get that, and I don't think I got it. So, Well, that's okay. Yeah, you live and learn. Yeah. <laughs> a little birdie told me that uh, you speak fluent Italian. Why don't you say I something nice no, no, about no, me no. and Ross in Italian? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, actually, the first thing that just came to my head to say in Italian was something sarcastic about you guys. Yeah, do, do it. it. But no, I can't say it because it would it would offend too many people. But okay. I I will say I am not fluent. I have to put that out. I am not fluent. Okay. I am good enough in Italian to get in and out of trouble. Okay. To a point. <laughs> right. In uh, and out. In and out of trouble. Yeah, yeah. So I can talk my way into some right. nonsense yeah. and try and talk my way out. And a lot of you. and a lot of it is still pantomiming and begging that I'm a dumb American, but. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've, I've picked up a little along the way, uh, just, just hearing it in my family and I never officially spoke it as a kid, but when I actually first went to Italy, uh, I started, uh, just reading a little bit about the language and, um, trying to speak it a little bit. And it's funny how it just came back. Like, even though it was just like stuck in my brain from years and years ago, like, it's like, Hey, I know that word. Hey, I know how to say that. Hey. Right. So I've, uh, going back and forth to, uh, to Rome to cover uh, our several cardinals from Chicago and covering the Vatican, I've made a few trips back and forth. I, I've I've picked up on the language a little a little more. No Latin years. though. Huh? No Latin. Latin's no. hard. So you're not gonna it's say hard. anything. Non posso parlare in italiano qui. Hmm. That sounded beautiful. Sound, I, I, just, I I can't speak in Italian here. Well, that's what you said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Didn't catch that. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> Is it uh, true your dad used to drive you around the bad neighborhoods and uh, <laughs> threaten to drop you off? You off? Yeah. Uh, I will say one time it, it came out uh, on purpose where my brother and I were acting up, which we did a lot of um, acting up in the sense of, you know, we were probably fighting hitting and wrestling yeah, and hitting right. each other. But when we used to do that, we would break a lot of stuff in the house. Right. So like uh, throw a football around or something, throw the football and, around and yeah. then tackle and then right. fall into a table. And I broke broken. a whole couch doing that one time. Yeah. So then my dad would say, "All right, let's go for a ride." And you know, <laughs> he would take the long way to wherever we're going. And he goes, "You right. see it here? You comfortable here? All right, keep it up, or else you're staying." Right. It's like okay. I don't know if you can do that nowadays. I, I, I think yeah. <laughs> you could still threaten. Right. Yeah. You could know. threaten, uh, you know. Right. I, I'll drop. I'll turn this car right around. Maybe who told you that, by the way? How did? Who, yeah, don't right. worry about it. We, we got our sources. Newsroom sources. <laughs> so how how did those South Side roots? Do you think they helped you professionally? I mean, in your career. Oh, absolutely. I mean, we 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 always become in life uh, the environment from which we came, and I, I I I wouldn't trade a minute of it. Um, even though you know, childhood, uh, South Side or not, childhood is always tough. Uh, my childhood was uh, tougher than most just because I struggled with weight and uh, it's not easy being a fat kid, especially a fat kid who likes the Cubs and lives on the South side. It's tough. <laughs> it's tough. Um, but no, I, the environment totally groomed me and prepped me for everything I am today. And um, just, just being, uh, being around salt of the earth people, people right. who are just good people, who um, are just trying to make life better for their kids and their family and, and work for a living. When I say work, I'm talking about real work, uh, like my dad shoveled asphalt, um, building things and using your hands. And, yeah. you know, where you need a shower at the end of your shift right. than before your shift. That's what I consider work. Right. We work hard and I complain and I work hard, but like, is it really work? It's a different like, kind. <laughs> yeah. Different. You know, it's definitely. Not, no, definitely. You know, I, you know when you got calluses on your hand at the end of the day and you right. need to like scrub the grease out, that's work. Yeah. But yeah, that to South side totally prepped me. And it, I think it just made me a more aware person, more like worldly, not worldly, but like just aware of people and surroundings like that you're exposed to so much and so many yeah. different things that, uh, I don't think you get that now in certain areas and I don't want to pinpoint anyone, but, uh, you know, there was something to be said the first time I discovered that in the suburbs, the liquor cab, the liquor uh, shelves weren't locked at the Seven <laughs> Elevens. But in my house, the liquor was always locked up, and it's I a little thing. This? Yeah, it's a little thing like you know, the Seven Elevens by us. 
you walk by liquor and it was when you were a kid, you see, oh man, all the beer, it's locked up and you need a key. It's like super taboo. And then my right. first time I was in like Barrington or something, <laughs> you're going to 7-Eleven and it's, it's free reign. I'm like, right. well, you guys don't have locks here for your, for your beer? You need a key? You don't need a key for a 40 here? Yeah. No, that's, yeah. Uh, Pam Grimes told us that you, uh, your sort of your South Side Roots helped you like if you were in a tough situation, she needed to try to interview somebody who maybe like you're really good at sort of warming people up and getting them ready. Well, I and I, and that's what I get to that like salt of the earth thing. Like, you know, I could probably go back and talk to uh, someone I grew up uh, grew up with I hadn't seen in years. I could go right now to their house, knock on the door, and talk to them. We could pick up just like where we left off 20 years ago, just because there's it's just like it's just real. It's just real. There's no, you're not trying to put up a front. You're not trying to impress or be someone that you're not. We all know who we are and it, and we love it and we embrace it. And I think that is what has helped me in my career in that, um, like we were talking about tough situations. Like I, I think I have an ability to make people feel comfortable just by being my own clumsy, uh, authentic self, goofy, authentic self. Yeah. And I think people are disarmed. It's a disarming thing that, uh, has been a very useful tool in my arsenal of uh, being a photojournalist and a, a journalist and in my career that it really has helped. And, you know, sometimes, you know, when you do it, like when I notice myself doing it and trying to disarm people and trying to calm a situation, uh, it's probably not the most, like if I told someone I was going to do it that way, they'd say, don't even think about doing that. This is right. so sensitive what we're about to go. Right. These people are very touchy. Don't do it. But when you go do it and you just kind of shoot the shit with people yeah. and you just show your authentic self, it's, it completely works. And reassure them. I'm a person too. I'm, I'm here just to tell a, your story. Right. I'm just a we're guy. We're going to make you look yeah. good. I'm not out to get you. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I'm just a dude who got lucky in life and has a decent job. And uh, yeah. Speaking of being lucky, you're always jetting off to the Vatican uh, Pam said, quote, every time the Pope sneezes, Mike rushes <laughs> off to Rome. <laughs> you know, I went to Catholic school as a kid, and that was the saying. Every time the Pope farts, you kids get a day off. <laughs> that was the yep. same. Well, these Vatican trips, they're pretty, they sound pretty cushy. One newsroom source said you had a run-in with the TSA uh, once. You want to, you mind talking about that? Or you want to get into that? Or <laughs> Tell these newsroom sources to go f*** themselves. <laughs> you know... There's your, off, there's your authentic yeah. self. Yeah. First off. You want to say something in Italian? Non posso parlare italiano qui. See how cool you could just say something and like, wow, how romantic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. So, uh, no, you used the word cushy in regards to traveling. First off, uh, there's no such thing as cushy travel when you're making television. Especially here when you're given limited resources and you have to kind of like do the work of 10 people. But there's no cushiness. You, you basically, you, the only time you see the city is through the window of a cab or as you're walking by en route to somewhere else. That inevitably you're passing all these cool, interesting spots. You know, oh, we can't go there because we got to go to this not as interesting place in, in Rome. So it's like, although going into the Vatican is pretty cool and uh, being around St. Peter's and in that area, it's, <clears throat> it is humbling. But no, it's not cushy. And TSA, the run-in, uh, I don't know which run-in they were referring to. I've had a few. Uh, but you can't, are you referring to like the Italian version of the TSA? Or which, what do we, I don't know, which one do you want to tell us about? Yikes, I think the Italian version, yeah. that sounds right. Well, we have to have this thing called a carnet card, which basically, because we carry so much equipment, we have boxes and boxes of gear, television equipment. We have to basically fill out this card that says, this was all purchased in the United States, and uh, we've paid for it and paid taxes on it. And we're not here to sell the equipment or buy more equipment in addition to. So it's basically a taxing thing when you're crossing foreign uh, borders. So this carnet card can get tricky because... You know, you're, you're flying in and out, and uh, you have to, it's, it's in English and in French. But then when you go to Italy, they move at a pace that isn't necessarily the fastest pace that yeah. we're used to. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of relaxed with things. And uh, it's also not written in their native language. So, mm. and if a guy doesn't have a lot of experience with it, it can be frustrating. So, you know. <laughs> I go in there and I'm fumbling with my Italian and I'm trying to speak with the personnel that has the, the carnet card and I'm trying to let them know what this is. And they know what it is, but they don't necessarily have to fill it out. 
And they're asking me questions back. And in, in the back of my head, I'm like, you know, buddy, we got a plane to catch. And <laughs> it's not like there's another plane in 10 minutes right after, you know, we, we got to go. And then just take their time and go through this thing and take their time. And they put the stamp on there and they hold it there for three seconds and make sure all the ink has sufficiently made its way onto the paper. And then they take it off and then they grunt and they count out loud in Italian when they count. It's like, enough. Can I just go home? I'm done with it here. I love your people and your food, but I'm ready to go home. I'm ready to see my family. That sounds like the censored version of the story. But yeah, that's okay. That's a censored version. Yeah, okay. there's there's a lot of run-ins. when you travel, there's a lot of run-ins. Right. I don't know what this birdie is talking about, but <laughs> okay, tell the birdie to call me. Well, another birdie told us when you're not having run-ins with the TSA that you're also a peacemaker. You uh, kept Dean Richards out of a fight at Lollapalooza. You tell that story. <laughs> Did you know this one? Wait, wait, wait a second. What happened? You don't remember this? Is this when? Uh, I think Dean kept me out of a fight at Lollapalooza. Oh, interesting. <laughs> oh okay. All right. Okay. Wait, let me let me go us, back and think. Let me go back and think. Let's think about Lollapalooza here for a second. You know, it, when you cover things over the years, they start to blur into one another. And I've done a lot of fun stuff with Dean that, like, are great stories. So I'm trying to think of what had happened at Lollapalooza. He said that you guys were, like, set up and, like, somebody was trying to tell you to, to leave or to, that you had to go somewhere. But you couldn't be there or something, I think. Oh, well, what, I'll tell you one thing that comes to mind was uh, we were backstage at Lollapalooza. And at, at a certain point with Lollapalooza, when it first started in Chicago, they were really eager to get press. And they loved having us there. And they were right. willing to just roll out the red carpet. As long as you put them on TV, come on in. Look, yeah. you know. As they started to grow and grow, they became a little more intolerant of us and kind of felt like we were in the way. So they were... Slowly, every year, they would corral you into a corner of Lollapalooza at Grand Park. And, you know, this is where the South Side Army comes out. This is my park, okay? This is my city. And all these goofs from Austin and Los Angeles come in and tell me where to go. Come on, it's a public park. Right. I grew up here. Right. So I come in, and, I, and I'm here to work. I, 364 other days a year, I can just come and go into Grand Park. But now I have to get corralled and, and, and boarded off like I'm cattle, along with my colleagues who are, like, also from here. So... We were set up in the, in the TV area, quote-unquote, where you can't see anything or really do anything. They won't allow you to take any shots of artists or the stage. <clears throat> so I had my camera. I mean, I usually don't leave a $30,000 camera sitting on the side of a walkway. I take it with me. So I had it just kind of strapped over my shoulder, and it was to the side. I was carrying it more like a backpack than I was like on my shoulder, like ready to shoot. And I'm walking through, and I was going to go use the washroom at a porta john and I had to go away from our cordon area, and, and this woman had stopped me that I could immediately tell wasn't from Chicago just based on her bad accent. She's like, sir, uh, you know, you, you can't be over here with kids. There's no cameras allowed here. I said, oh, I'm just going to the Porter John to use the washroom. She's like, nope, can't let you do it. Can't let you do it. I said, well, guess what? You got to call the police then because I'm going to use the John. <laughs> and I just walked past her. And... And I just wasn't going to take it. I right. had to take a leak. And I had, you know, I got some, some woman who's been to Chicago one time and right. went up in the Sears Tower and right. came down and then went, went back to some bad state that wherever they came. So I went to the washroom and I come back and she was miffed. I could tell she was right. upset by the whole thing. And she was waiting outside the washroom. Like, what am I going to go do? Steal, right. steal somebody? Right. What, what could I possibly do? So she was waiting outside and she, she walked me back to the, the media area, like kind of like, you know. So Perry Farrell, who is, you know, from, um, uh, he's the founder of Lollapalooza. Porno for Pyros, from, I porno believe. Porno for Pyros, yeah. yeah. Caught stealing once. Was that, wasn't that one of the yeah, songs? Sure. Caught stealing. Anyway, uh, he had, uh, we were scheduled to do an interview with him with Dean Richards. Mm. And I was still pissed about this woman telling me I, I, I can't use the washroom. So a few hours went by and we were, Dean and I were waiting. We took, went to the platform and Perry Farrell came up and we did the interview. And he, uh, he did the interview with Dean, and it went great. And when it was done, I said, hey, uh, Mr. Farrell, hey, thanks a lot for your time. We appreciate it. I said, I just want to let you know. I said, uh, one of your employees here wouldn't let me use the washroom. <laughs> and, and I said it, and I kind of felt a little emboldened by saying it, because I was speaking out not for me, but on behalf of all of us. Right. Like, we've been pushed around here. <laughs> then I, once he looked at me and I said it, there was for a split second I got, like, nervous, like, Oh boy, he's either going to go tell me to buzz off right. or he's going he's going to have my back. And you know what? 
yeah, God love him. It, it, Dean and I, it, we had interviewed him several times in prior years. He looked at me and he goes, who said that to you? Point them out to me. Who here did that? And so here I'm like, all right, now I'm on the stand and I get to point out, that guy did it, Your Honor. And so the, uh, I'm looking for the, for the woman that had escorted me and was upset that I used the washroom. And uh, I couldn't find her anywhere. But I, I gave Perry Farrell a deep description. Did you tell me who it was? What did, what did this person look like? I had no problem oh ratting her out. God. I don't know. She's probably begging for money on the side of the road night right now because she lost her job yeah, eight sure years she ago. She's fine. That's not all Dean told us. What happened uh, with Aretha Franklin? <laughs> <laughs> Poor Dean. You know, he, <laughs> the, when, you're, when you're in an environment where you're, you're shooting a story and like this hits the fan, right? When you're in the moment, you're like, oh, man, this shit's hitting the fan right now. But when, then when you take a step back, like right, we are right now, you realize, damn, we got some good stories from shit hitting the fan. Like, right. I'm, I'm glad this shit hits the yeah. fan. Well, we were inter- interviewing Aretha Franklin at the, um, it was, a, it was a, a casino in Indiana that they have a big concert. They have a stage there. I can't remember the name of it, but it's a somewhat small venue and i've always been a fan of aretha franklin and i i don't get starstruck just because i don't and i've been doing this so long that you just get used to it but aretha's just like she's it she is just it and so she sits down to do the interview and um i had to get a little lavalier microphone on her and anyone who's ever watched tv has seen the little microphone that sits on the lapel of a a a news anchor reporter's uh, dress or suit well, Aretha had just like this one-piece sequin, big sequin gown, and I had to somehow finagle a microphone on her. And Aretha Franklin, if you saw her within the past 10 years, because this happened about 10 years ago, she was, there was a lot of her. There was a lot of Aretha Franklin to go around. And so she was sitting down, and I had to snake this microphone around so that I hid the cable in like her, the, the strap that would go over her shoulder. I hid the cable, and I snuck it on the collar of her shirt, or on the dress so that the microphone sat there. And I, I, I put it on, and I feel like it got a little caught on a sequence or something happened. It wasn't completely secure, but I, I left it there. We were kind of in a hurry, and I went back behind Dean in this small little fitting room, and I, I said to Dean, all right, let's go. We're ready to do the interview. I'm rolling. Yeah. And Aretha's talking with her hands before the interview actually starts, and she knocks the microphone off. And the microphone went clean down her cleavage. <laughs> And, and, it, and it went deep. The more she kept moving, it just went deeper and deeper. It was like... It muffled was, and muffled, more just, muffled. It was, like, it was like that microphone was spelunking on Aretha Franklin. So, so I kind of... I was right behind Dean's, Dean's ear and his head because we were so tight. And I just kind of leaned over to Dean. And I said, Dean, the mic's gone. And he kind of turns and looks at me while he's still talking, small talk with Aretha Franklin, the queen of soul. And I'm like, the mic's gone, Dean. It, the mic is gone. It went down. <laughs> And I said, and I'm not going to get it. Right. Right. <laughs> so, so uh, Dean was just kind of like still being polite and small talk. And, and I, I, I kind of interrupted and I said, Miss Franklin, I said, uh, I, we seem to have lost your microphone. And uh, uh, it, it went somewhere that might be difficult to get. And Dean's going to help you out with that. And, <laughs> and she's just like, oh, don't worry, baby. It's all right. You go do what you need to do. We'll get that microphone. <laughs> So, Dean, I, I looked away. I, I couldn't even bear to look and, and see that, uh, you know, they say never meet your heroes. Well, never right. meet your heroes and then watch a fellow colleague go down the shirt of said hero right. to get a microphone. Right. So I looked away. Dean got, I just kind of wanted to give her respect as they were hunting. Yeah. For, I kind of just looked away to, like, to give her some privacy. It was bad enough you had one person doing it. Oh, God. So the, the microphone appeared and Dean put it on. And, you know, it was just, it's just like withstood the test of time. Right. Like we, you know. But I do, you know, that's one of those stories I use when I am miking up someone and I can tell is like shaking and completely nervous to be on TV. And I just say... You tell that story. I tell them the story. I said, listen, this microphone went down Aretha Franklin's (laughs) cleavage. So don't worry about this microphone. It'll treat you all right. Right on. Oh, my God. So uh, Pam Grimes told us uh, about a package you guys did together, his and hers holiday story about how men shop versus women. Yeah. Can you kind of tell us the story behind that? Well, it was your idea? Yeah, I think we were we were kind of hunting for a holiday story to do and Pam and I would just uh, a lot of times 
we'd say, you know, let's just go out and shoot this. And we'd go out and just shoot the first thing that came to our head and we'd put together a little piece and they'd run out in the show. And, you know, it was kind of like, that was our thing. You know, we'd have fun doing that. And, uh, so we wanted to do like a little Christmas piece. And, uh, my idea was, well, let's just go, let's go do like a quick little piece at the mall when the mall was still a thing. This was Carson's on state street. I believe we were at, which is since gone. Um, you know, let's just let's spend some time with uh, some guys and some ladies and see how the difference between the way they shot. Well, it was an interesting story. It was cool. But the, the, the story behind the story is that I'm excited for the shoot. It's like my first year at WGN. Pam is this famous producer that I had only worked with a few times, but I was eager to be able to work with her. She calls me up the day of. She goes, Mikey is Pam. I can't come to this shoot. I have laryngitis. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I set aside this whole Saturday. We're going to go on a Saturday. We're going to do this thing. She goes, I just can't. I'm so sick. I just can't. So in my head, I'm like, God damn it. I'm never going to get a full-time job at WGN. This, my, my whole plan has gone to shit because right. Pam got fucking laryngitis. Get her to notice you. and Yeah, so... <laughs> So I'm like, all right. I kind of, I kind of lived with it for a few minutes. And I called her back. I said, "Don't worry about it." I said, "We can do it. Let's just go out. You just muscle your way through. Tell me what you want to ask. Tell me what you want to say. I can repeat it. We'll just, we just mic up someone, put a mic on someone, and just follow and let them do their thing." So I finally convinced her to go out, and we went out and did it, and it was super fun. Uh, the funnest part of it was like just watching Pam, who usually speaks in the, in the quietest of tones about everything, is speaking in a quieter tone, having laryngitis or whatever it was, and no one could hear her. But the guy was, uh, that we were following, who was, he was with his friend and their wives, the friend and wife, had a huge crush on Pam the whole time. So <laughs> you know, it was like he was totally at ease with the thing because he was hitting on Pam the whole time. But it, it was a fun little piece that like, th- that was an example of, where else could you watch that in local news? Right. Like, you, right. You're not getting that anywhere in Chicago. Right. These slices. history. You're and still here. I'm you still here. Job. Yeah. And I did, yeah, I did yeah. eventually get the full-time job. Yeah. 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 So, but you're kind of a freak, right? Like one producer told us that you have to be fed and walked every two hours. Well, I... <laughs> and caffeinated, obviously. <laughs> I have good metabolism. And what we do for a living is physical. We're out and about running around, we have equipment, we're in and out of the car, or several locations, you're moving. But sometimes yeah. you're not. When you're doing an edit, I think that's right. the walk sometimes part. You're not. You gotta get so up and take a lap. When you are editing and you're stuck in this dark room with no windows, yeah. and it's just you and a computer, basically- I love that, by the way. It's great, it's great, it's part of the process, but right. it's basically you in a boxing match with this computer and right. all this yeah. footage. Right. It's like, it's you versus machine. No, see, and I, I, re- I respect that, too, from you, because I feel like the one time we went out, we did that Sarah Ginger shoot. Oh, yeah. He remember he stopped, he's like, you got time to get a coffee? Yeah. Hey, yeah, you get a coffee? Need, need a co- yeah, you want a coffee? Yeah, hey, get a coffee. Hey. And I was like, I'm going to go to sleep. But I'm like, I respect this guy. He's got his whole day out of him. He's going to stop. He's going to go to the bathroom. He's going to get a coffee. You're not going to keep him down. He's going to do what I've he's got to do. I've always yeah. been an old man. Like, I constantly have to take a leak. I got to have coffee. Well, you don't have time to get a coffee? Come on. I don't do social media. I'm just like old like that. But I, you got to have caffeine and food, and that's what I need to keep running. Maybe that's why I have success in Italy because they have a lot of caffeine and food there. That's great. Yeah, I, yeah that's true. Right. Back to stories. Can you tell us a story about you and a hot air balloon with Tom Skilling? <laughs> another Pam Grimes special, I think. Yeah, that was another Pam special. I was like all of 24, I think. Really? Wow. You know, that was another one of these things where I just started – uh, it was 2004, 2005. I was, yeah, 24, 25 years old, something like that. And I grew up watching Tom Skilling. I mean, he started working in Chicago the year I was born, 1979. So if that's any indication, like the guy's still a legend. And, uh, I, I always looked up to him because my dad was a laborer. He worked outside and he would always watch Skilling to get right. the weather yeah. for, for work. Exactly. So, my assignment is to go up in a hot air balloon with Skilling, which part of it is it's pretty photography, pretty yeah. pictures of the sun setting in a hot air balloon, and uh, and it was fall, so it was even prettier. And the other part of it is just to watch Tom's reaction to hot air balloon and talk about weather right. in the hot air balloon. Right. He's talking about weather in weather. <laughs> it's, it couldn't be better. Right. So uh, 
this is one of those times nervous as shit, right? It's like, oh my God, Tom Skilling. And we were with uh, another photographer, Sean Maroney, who is, who's, you know, way above me in seniority. And he, he already had a wonderful reputation. And I, you know, I came to WGN to work with guys like this. So I'm like, wow, this is cool. It's a great opportunity. So we get out there, we get to the shoot. I'm super excited. And now comes the time where you got to get in this freaking wicker basket <laughs> in this archaic setup where you go in this basket and they shoot flame up into a balloon and you go up in the air. It's like, all right, I guess we're going to die today. There's really not with much. Tom Skilling. Yeah. With yeah. Tom Skilling. Right. So as we're going up, I literally feel my knees buckling. Like I feel like I want to just crouch down on the floor of this basket. And so I turned to Pam. I said, by the way, I'm afraid of heights. <laughs> <laughs> did you not realize until that moment uh, or you just come uh, i was not about to come clean <laughs> yeah, right. i had this opportunity <laughs> yeah, yeah, to, yeah, 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 yeah. to just make a make a story sing yeah. Yeah. and i said you know what i just gotta suck it up yeah. i gotta put on my big boy pants and yeah. get out there and make tom look spectacular yeah and so i turned to her and i'm like yeah i'm afraid of heights because you you gotta be fucking kidding me <laughs> i mean now you tell me well, you better figure it out. <laughs> Great Pram impersonation. Oh, I feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm really impersonating Steve Shore, one of our other photographers. Who does the Pam, Pam Grams? Yeah. I'm impersonating him impersonating, impersonating Pam. Pam. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a, yeah. it's quite a, you know. Now, Pam told us also on that shoot, you you mentioned that you had just started around that time here. Yeah. She said you, you guys got there and, and you were right next to Maroney getting the same exact shot. And she's like, what are you doing? Were you shooting the same thing? What are you? <laughs> well, you know, because understandably, I was, you know, baby face, 24. I didn't have a lot of experience. And basically, Pam's whole piece is relying on me. So she was kind of looking over my shoulder and yeah. uh, looking into the viewfinder a little bit, which didn't make me nervous at all, no, no, having someone no. look over your shoulder. <laughs> right. um, well, she said by the end of your time together, she no longer had to do that with you. Let, yeah, because at the at the end of that shoot, what came out of it was... She's like, you're just a fucking lame photographer. And, and in the most like endearing way, she was kind of busting chops because I always was giving an excuse like, oh, I can't get that shot. And she's like, get that shot, get that shot. I'm like, I'm trying, but I just can't seem to get, you know, the balloon's moving. I'm moving the camera. I'm, I'm, my knees are buckling. I'm like, she's like, well, how about that shot? Well, I'm trying, but the sun's so bright. So I was like, the whole time. This I'm, guy sucks. This guy's terrible. I'm making up excuses for everything, which I hate when people make up excuses for everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and here I am doing it. Yeah. And so, so Pam, at the end of like the 15 excuses, she goes, I guess you're just a lame photographer. You're yeah. just lame. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. She really means, she's joking, but she means it deep down. <laughs> but needless to say, we had a great career together. Uh, That's a great segue for me right now. I have to admit to both of you that I set up a camera to shoot this and the battery died and I noticed it about 20 minutes ago. Oh. So, Oh, well, that's And good. before the shoot, you said... I wonder, I'm worried about that battery, and well, I didn't do it because I was setting all this stuff up, and I felt like we were taking too long. And yeah, you, I feel like I really failed all of us. I so you remember that little segment there. we had, our weakest link? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's yeah. me today. Yeah, yeah, but again, circle. I set Still all of this, this stuff up mm -hmm. while you guys so bullshit. Good. But it's okay. All right, it's we'll okay. Move on. Yeah. So there we are. Weak link with excuses. Yeah, but, yeah, know, yeah. Uh, so I'm basically used 24, but I'm 33, and I got to grow up a long career yeah, here, gotta, buddy. Yeah, maybe I'll get a full-time job someday. <laughs> but you All know right, what? I saw the battery light blinking and kind of my I heard a few beeps, but I just oh, gave did you? the benefit of the doubt. I got the headphones out. on. I couldn't hear it. <laughs> but before we started, I saw the battery wasn't full. And, and my whole career is based on the idea of right. the battery should be full. The battery should be full. And I did that with the audio because it's a podcast. So I made sure that these batteries were good. You're fine. You know, you had a lot to say set up we all forgive you thank you it's it's a good the thing the podcast is yeah. still going very well it's yeah. a good thing yeah right. do you have any uh you know you work with larry potash we talked about it before you mm -hmm. know you're working on backstory yeah do you have any good stories of larry behind the scenes i think people see him <laughs> on the morning show you see a certain larry i just want to know what it's like working with larry well larry <laughs> larry kind of operates in his own little tornado sometimes and you know he he moves around real fast <laughs> right. and like Everything that's happening is slow and kind of chill, but he's moving around fast. So you're like, well, maybe we should be moving around fast. But I know deep down this is a kind of a chill situation. So I'm like hyper sometimes, and I get a little like worked up. I can have a so lot of adrenaline. So he has an effect on you? So he like, does. But the, yeah. the funny thing is he can get so hyper that it 
calms me down. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. It's it a good is. working relationship. It, it is. It, it works that way because then I, I kind of look at him and say, well, if I start acting like that, I'll look like that, so I'm going to stop. I'm <laughs> going to stop and chill. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, speaking of morning show, folks, Thomas Hill, you mentioned this. Uh, he's a former fat kid, too. He said that you used to be a fat kid. Is there anything? Do you want to talk bad about Pat while he can't defend himself right now to I, defend your own honor? Well, that would be a whole other podcast that we would just talk <laughs> talk shit about Pat. And you told us this is Southside Code. You're not, you're not going to say Well, it. you know, you know I, Thomas Sulo is basically, uh, he could basically have grown up with me on the South Side. Yeah, we're kind of like, see that. We're in sync that way. We're mm-hmm. like the same personality. Uh but yeah, no, the the fat kid thing is like there's unspoken stuff when you're when you're when you grow up fat and uh you kind of like you you could you do it and you you don't realize you're doing it but you agree that you should have done it. Well, case in point, what my wife and uh and I and his wife, we all we were grilling at his house. <clears throat> he was grilling. He actually was grilling not enough burgers. My wife was pregnant at the time. He underburgered <laughs> her cuz he didn't give her a, uh, the underburger. He, he had the underburger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gave us each one burger and yeah. But anyway, what? For, he should know as a former fat yeah. kid that <laughs> you got to eat here. Great. Yeah. I got to go to McDonald's after this? Yeah. We did. We had to stop and get more food for my eight yeah. month pregnant wife. Yeah. But we were both well, the four of us, we were standing in the kitchen just kind of shooting the shit, having a beer or whatever. And Pat and I were next to each other. And we both kind of pulled our shirt at the chest a little bit and kind of fluffed it out from our chest. And both of our wives look at each other and then look at us. They're like, you realize you guys just did that at the same thing at the same time. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's the fat guy tug. You got you to tug on the shirt a little bit so it keeps from sticking to your man boobs and keeps from letting your gut stick out. <laughs> you got to constantly fluff you, the shirt. You're so like real. You both are like real thin now. I mean, no, so, yeah, yeah, well, but no, still hot guys. Habits. Yeah, I guess yeah. I, I wouldn't Wearing go that vests. far. Wearing vests with yeah, no shirts. Yeah. Wearing sweaters that aren't sweaters. Just right. hair. Just hair. <laughs> Pat also said you really liked uh, guitars. Do you play? I do play. Yeah, yeah. I love I love the guitar more than it loves me. Yeah. Uh, I I love I love the gear itself. Yeah. Um, I, I just I just like the instruments. Um and I do love to play. I play for my family, meaning my two kids and my wife, and the, and the walls in the room, and that's it. Uh, I just love to play. It, it is my refuge. It is the it is the best way that I could just sit down and like not think about anything. Right. I start thinking about how bad I am at guitar, but that's sure. that's a lot easier than uh, real life, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a hidden little thing I do play. I actually. Uh, I recorded a few songs for pieces that I've done uh, for WGN. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, okay. Two or three times, yeah. I, I recorded. I I had a song in my head that I was playing. This is before kids when I had time to just you know do yeah. this kind of shit. Yeah. Uh, I had a song in my head that I was just kind of like cutting a track for at home on my Mac, and uh, I laid it down, and I said, you know what? This, a, would there, this would work in yeah. a piece. Wow. And lo and behold, uh, not too long after, I, I was doing it, and uh, it all came together. I, uh, really. So we'll make those available for download on yeah. SoundCloud. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. I pay you to download it, but you know, yeah, yeah. you don't pay. Yeah, to exactly. It. <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> hey, uh, before we start a special thing here, you got anything you'd like to add? Uh, question we didn't cover. No, no, this has been fun. I, I mean, how much more can we talk about myself? Well, I mean, I'm sick of myself. Just at this get point. ready for it because yeah. it's the lightning round. We make a lot of noises. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're first off lightning round, unlike any other lightning round that it's we've done unique, so far. Unique lightning round. Okay, oh, we're oh. gonna give you a one-liner or something that was said in reference to you, okay. and want you to guess who said it in the newsroom. Oh, man. So, I mean, it could be anybody, but yeah. hopefully you'll get it. So, Brian. So, who start. said this? Uh, he always understands the moment and rises to the occasion. And no one said that. I never rise to the occasion. That's not true. <laughs> Catherine, Catherine said that about Catherine, you. Catherine, all right. Yeah. I, I, right. Okay. Yeah. That's nice. Don't yeah. get too high on yourself. Who said this? You're interviewing D'Angelo? Why? Uh, who said that? Probably Thomas Sulo because he's mad that I'm actually funnier than he is. Oh, oh, okay. wow. <laughs> oh man! Now we're getting authentic. It was actually Bill Kissinger, writer yeah. Bill Kissinger. Yeah. <laughs> All right, who said this? Uh, he's very stomach-driven. His grandmother or mother had a sausage cart. <laughs> we never had a sausage cart. I didn't grow up in Austria in 1542. <laughs> okay. uh, no, we had. Uh, no, my uh, family owned a hot dog stand. Oh, and that's what they meant. That's what they meant. Um, ma- who would know that? Pam. That's correct. That's correct. Ding, ding, yeah. ding. Nailed it. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, who said this? 
Why? Because I'm black? <laughs> Pat Parman. There you go. Wow, he's good. This guy's good two out of four. All right, now it's time for yeah. some generic uh, lightning round questions. You have to answer all of them. First up, favorite pizza topping? Mushrooms. Mushroom and sausage, really. Your uh, favorite and least favorite movie of all time? Uh, favorite movie of all time? Probably right now, what's in my head is Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Oh. Uh, and mostly, I, do I have to explain why? No. 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 Le- least favorite movie? Well, my brother busts my ball and says my favorite movie is Clueless. <laughs> that fits. <laughs> <laughs> because one time he caught me like watching Clueless like on a, on a summer afternoon. It was on. We, yeah. it was on. we just got HBO. Napping. We just started playing Clueless. Every chicken, it's hot. Like, why wouldn't I watch it? The beginnings of Paul Rudd. He goes, yeah. what's your favorite movie, Clueless? Right. No, uh, my least favorite movie? I, I What's the least? My least favorite movie is probably the one I've never seen because, I, you know, is it, does that mean basically what movie do you love to hate? Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, or it comes I, on, you're just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't have one that, right. that I could think of right now. But if I did come up with it, you know, well, just let us know. Favorite band of all time. Favorite band. Okay, so I, I would say Rolling Stones, but it's like everybody's, everybody loves the Stones, you know. But I just, uh, yeah, I'd have to go Rolling Stones. Like if I, if I just have to listen to one album, it's like Exile Main Street, done, love it, yeah. Okay. This next one, we like picking on Pat. Do you consider Pat Tomasulo to be short? Would you call him short? Uh, yeah, I'm six three, so everyone's everyone's shorter than I am in right. some ways. But uh, like abnormally short, though, right? He's a little guy. Like he's yeah. he's like a little bugger. Like I just want right. to squeeze him a little, and like, wrestle with maybe him, maybe pick him up, wrestle like, him along. Uh, Careful, yeah, man. Right. He's District Twenty Two champ. He is. Right. He is. He's wrestling. He's he's a wrestler. Yeah. When was that video taken? I mean, can anyone verify it? That's true. You yeah. can do anything with cameras. Time, but yeah. He has a few good moves. I'll give him that. As my grandma used to say, "What are you two wrestling for?" Well, it's wrestling, Grandma, and we're wrestling because we're boys, and that's what we do. Right. Yeah. Right. All right, I'm going to show you a picture of yourself. Where you look like a million bucks. I need you to tell us where this was taken and w- why you look so happy. Picture. Beautiful picture. Glamour shots. That was in the uh, that was out in the bush in uh, Kenya. Oh, was that right? About, about when 100 was that? miles uh, outside of Nairobi in Maasai country. Okay. Uh, that we went there uh, with uh, Dina Bear, Catherine Zink. Um, to do a story about Ann Lurie. And you probably know of Ann Lurie from uh, Children's Hospital. Hospital. Um, But before that was built, she was basically running and funding a hospital in the middle of the bush in Kenya. And it, uh, she was a nurse before she was a philanthropist and doing all the stuff she does now. But um, this, that was her dream to get a hospital to people in far flung corner of the world that, they were basically before she showed up in this this small little village. They were basically having children in huts on dirt floors. And right. So she built a hospital there, and and uh, Chicago woman does great. We went out there for a week and profiled this hospital and everything she was doing and the impact on on the land there. Yeah, it was life changing. I was gonna say because I mean your sun kissed beautiful. The back behind you. Whispering I mean, sand. you just look the happiest I've seen you in a really long time. Yeah, here. I've never seen you smile. Just, Get out of so here. It's beautiful. <laughs> so we'll post this for we'll people this on the who internet. want to take just a closer yeah, look. Where'd you at find it. that? Handsome devil. Oh, I think it's like your LinkedIn the... photo. Yeah, it's you your guys profile. are like something. actually did research for yeah. this. Yeah, yeah well, a lot of people. talked to a lot of people. Just some jamokes. We're not just journalists, man. We're serious journalists. Yeah, that, this was that fun. Was, that was a good yeah, lightning. Well, so when when are we going to go to Freddy's next? We got to bring Ross. Yeah, I'll come. Where were you? I got to get the I got to get the Italian from? ice. Uh, like far, far, far north suburbs, basically Wisconsin. Well, yeah, they don't do it like this at Freddy's. Like you got, it's an experience. Oh, I'm all about it. Uh, I'm calling somebody. Just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Freddy's is an experience where you okay. know you, you. How's the gnocchi? They got gnocchi. They got ravioli. They I, got hey. <laughs> Pam, Pam, I'm oh Jesus Christ! I'm interviewing Mike D'Angelo for the podcast right now. He's we're, we're live. Can you say hi to him? Hi, Mikey. Hi, Pam. See how she just said Mikey? Let yeah. me tell you, my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, called me called me Mikey my entire life, and I hated it. Oh I God. I felt like 
I was just like a little kid. Like here, I was getting bigger. I was sixth grade, seventh grade. Well, my that grandma. was my second choice for a nickname. Fellini was the first one, which I stole from him. It was his joke, and he was mad I took it, so I called him Mikey, and there you go. <laughs> and then, so now I've just been diminished to the little boy that I despised oh. my grandmother calling me by as a, as a in my career. So now I'm Mikey. But actually, I miss my grandmother, and I uh, wish. I could hear her say it, and I, I like that Pam says it now. It's it's endearing. Pam, Mike has said a lot of lovely things about you, so I thought I'd call, I'd ambush him with a call to you real quick. Ah. He's also Pam's got time. Look at how much time. Yeah. She's never answered the phone. Now she's like, I'm here. Just call. Are you, just, you out fishing right now, Pam? Yeah, what are you doing, Pam? Out on the lake? You would not believe I am in the boonies of southern Missouri at my mother's house, oh. and I am looking at a pasture full of cows and... It's 87 degrees and sunny and humid and yeah, and life is good. All so right, retirement's right pretty good. Yeah, yeah, we'll be right there. Yep. <laughs> Mike's driving. You're we're gonna jump in a hot air balloon. <laughs> All right, thanks, Pam. I'll call you back You're later. Welcome. Okay. All right. Bye bye. I love you. Bye. <laughs> you just want to hear her call me Mikey? Yeah, pretty much. It worked yeah. out. <laughs> and the way she says it too, it's so juvenile. Oh, Mikey. Hey, Mikey. <laughs> He's 40. Hi, Mikey. Well, Mikey, no, I'm not 40 yet. Mikey, thank you so much. Mikey, it's this been a pleasure. This has been a blast. Well, I'm, I'm glad I was here. And I'll could... never call you Mikey again. Yeah. No, Mike. Uh, uh, this is humbling you guys asked me to be here. It was cool. Oh, of course. No, it's great. It. We love your Appreciate insight. It. Keep Thanks. doing silly stuff with us. Yes. Yeah, I will. Please. I will. I look forward to it. Godspeed. You got to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> I mean, now you tell me? <laughs> <laughs>